You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Life, let's be honest, life can be confounding at times, can it not? Life can be overwhelming sometimes. Life can simply be excruciating at other times. The question we often ask ourselves as we go through life, whether you follow Christ or not, is how do you make it through some of the most difficult seasons and scenarios of life? How can you possibly make it through without just eking your way through, but excelling through the most difficult things that come our way? Obviously, as believers in Jesus, we know that the ultimate answer is is Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus didn't just come to save us. He came to sustain us, and Jesus is the eternal game changer for us. In him is everything that we can possibly need. Amen, brothers and sisters? Ultimately, he's the answer for us. He's the one that gives us strength and hope and and peace and joy. Even when the world stands back, how can you ever have anything good in that circumstance? We know that Jesus gives us all that we need. But there's something else Jesus gave us other than himself to help us cope and thrive when life gets overwhelming and it is the body of believers, it is each other. So often we think in our North American society, it's me and me and God, but God's designed us in such a way in that, in that we cannot get through life's most overwhelming circumstances without each other. Even the world's beginning to see this. The world's mantra has always been, uh, I am strong or I need nobody else. And, and yet look at what we see in the, in the recent tragedies of the world around us. We see things like, like Boston strong and Humboldt strong, right? What are they saying? Like we need each other and we can only get through this with each other. Even saw a t-shirt this last week, Western Hill strong. We're getting it. We're starting to grasp it that, man, we desperately need each other. That's the way God has designed us. God didn't just come and find us as stray sheep away from you know, the sheepfold. Didn't find us to rescue us and, and leave us, send us on a path on our own, our own path again. He found us to rescue us, to bring us into his family, his sheep pen, that he can care for us and that also we can care for each other as the body of believers. Here's the reality. We will never get to the end of this race by ourselves it's not possible God didn't design it that way and anyone who tries to get to the end by themselves is going to find out they've made a huge mistake we cannot possibly get to the end of this race by ourselves a number of years ago now many number of years ago when I finished college I was invited to participate in a, an athletes in action 24 hour like a marathon challenge and it wasn't like an individual thing though there's about 30 or 40 of us I don't remember details it's over 20 years ago now it was 30 or 40 of us and we got assembled into 5 or 6 teams and what they did is they ran us from 6 o'clock one morning to 6 o'clock the next morning continuous through all these rigorous events we had swimming and floor hockey and basketball and all these crazy competitions and, and so we went all day strong uh, and by, by 10 o'clock at night the way it worked was the team that was in first got four hours sleep the team that was in last got half an hour's rest 
I was on the latter end of that. And so we rested for half an hour. Again, don't remember all the details. A long time ago, but I remember like running around the campus of University of Calgary in middle of the night, drizzling rain, a little bit cold, holding onto this rope like a kindergarten kid because the team had to do this together and you were only as strong as your weakest link. And so I remember, like, you can do it. Like, we're cramping up. You can do it. Keep going. We can't lose. And the way this whole race ended is the other teams kind of joined as their breaks were over. The way this race ended was you had to, to climb up this massive hill, and the first team to the top won. And I remember that last climb was the most mentally, physically challenging uh, climb of a lifetime. The sun was just coming up. It was still cold. The dew was out. The rain had fallen. And man, you're slipping and sliding. And you just felt like everything within you said, quit. It doesn't matter. There's no prize at the end anyways. Just give up. And yet the pride in us had everyone, like, basically we pushed and we pulled and we fought for each other because you had to cross the finish line together to get to the end of the race. And, and that is a bit of a picture of life. Life is a journey up a long, hard climb, and we cannot possibly do it without somebody else encouraging us and pulling us and prodding us and whatever it takes. But the point is, as Christians, it's the same as with that race. No one gets left behind. No one gets left behind. That's the whole point of this one another series is that we are in this together. There's no such thing as individualistic Christianity, no matter what culture tells you. This is a, a group event, a community event that we need each other for. And so our prayer as a church is that we've been grasping this, that we'd actually not just understand this intellectually, but we'd live this out. This is practical theology. Theology is sometimes we think of as just, you know, just stimulates the mind, but practical theology is, is real theology. It engages the brain, it stirs the heart, and it motivates our feet to actually live it out. And so we're going to continue on with that series, second last sermon that's going to tie up a lot of loose ends before the last sermon next week. But here's the one another we're focusing on today. Galatians 6, verse 2 Bear one another bur another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 6 is where we are. And so if you don't have a Bible, you can slip your hand up. If you have one, it's, you're probably already there. It's been on the screen for a while, right? Go there. If you need a Bible, please put your hand up. Let me read it for you, the whole context of this. So we understand where we're going, where God wants us to go. And then I'm going to pray and we're just going to unpack this as we understand God's plan for our lives and our church. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. Subtitle is, Bear One Another's Burdens. The whole theme of this little mini pastor's scripture. Verse 1, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Before we unpack this this morning, let me pray and ask that God would speak to us in such a very clear way that we would live out the calling of Jesus Christ. Let, let us pray together. Father, we're so grateful this morning that you have 
in your grace and mercy seen fitting to call us into the body of believers, to call us out of our sinfulness, out of our own waywardness, and call us into the body of believers where we can love you and honor you and worship you together with the family of God. Father, I pray this morning as we uh, unpack your scripture, as we understand the word of God, Father, may this not just be an intellectual exercise uh, for everybody in this room, but by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, would you help us understand how vital it is to live in this community in an authentic and real way, caring for one another as you've called us to. Help us to understand fully what it is to really engage in ministry to the lives of those around us and what it is to receive the ministry from those around us that you've placed within our, within our lives. God, ultimately we pray that you draw us nearer to yourself by the end of this sermon, nearer to your path for our lives than where we are right now at the beginning of this. And God, only you can do that. So open our minds, open our hearts, push aside all negativity, push aside all doubt, push aside all pride and all self-centeredness. And God, help us understand the one another's today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, first thing you can write in your notes, if you're taking notes, just a couple points this morning. First thing you can write in your notes is this. You know, we are called to carry each other to the finish line. We are called to carry each other to the finish line. This is what verse 2 says. Look what it says. Read it with me. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Let me help you understand what this means. Uh, the word bear is not talking about the grizzly creature in Muskoka. The word bear is used 27 times in the New Testament in the context of lifting up or carrying with endurance to bear something, to bear the weight of something. Burdens is from the word baros, which means heavy loads that are difficult to lift and to carry. I think of doing my backyard a week ago or two weeks ago and got all this gravel on the driveway, filled up the wheelbarrow for my son and said, come on, son, get after it. That's why we had kids, so I didn't have to do all the hard work myself. My son looked at the wheelbarrow. I was like, dad, it's too heavy. I'm like, you can do it, son. You can do it. Just get it to the backyard and it'll be fine. And so he's trying to pick up this wheelbarrow, which honestly was way too heavy for him, I now realize, and trying to navigate it through the gate and down the backyard, only for him to come running out and saying, dad, I couldn't do it. I dumped it all over the grass. Isn't that how life feels like sometimes? Here's what God has called us to. Here's the, the, the bucket that's before us. Here's the reality where we find ourselves. And here's the task at hand. And yet you look at it, you're like, God, I can't do this. How in the world am I going to do this by myself? I can't bear the weight of the burden that you've placed before me. Ever felt that way in life? I felt that way many times. So often we like to think of our Christian lives as believers. We think of it as, as it's supposed to be a walk in the park, right? You accept Christ, it's supposed to be a walk in the park. In fact, it's supposed to be better than a walk in the park. We have Jesus. We're supposed to kind of levitate through this journey, right? It's supposed to be easy and simple. Yet look at God's word, and God's word tells us that the walk of life is not supposed to be like a stroll through the park. It's more like climbing Mount Everest, it's more like looking up at a mountain and saying, man, like, like, this is going to be a, a journey of a lifetime. And, and anyone who's climbed Mount Everest, you know what they do before they go? They get suited up with a backpack. And there's a weight to carry to climb Mount Everest. They, you don't endeavor to do Everest like free of any load. You get your backpack on. You get a group of people around you. You say, let's get after this. Hopefully we'll get to the summit. Anyone who tries to tackle Mount Everest without a backpack of supplies, without people, is downright dumb. 
In fact, last year they even banned solo climbs from Mount Everest because, because the death rate went so high and even world-famous climbers were dying. And so the reality is, though, is that we as believers, we look at life and, and it, we, God's given us a backpack. Some are heavier than others, but it's a load we need to carry and we need others to help us carry it to the summit. We can't possibly do it by ourselves. We often think of the scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We think of the load that God's given us. And you say, yeah, but, yeah, but even if it is my load that I carry, that God promises he'll never let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. In other words, God's only going to give us what we can handle. Is that true? Absolutely that's true. But get this. Here's the other side of that equation. God only gives you what you can handle, but he sometimes gives you more than you can handle so that you will only rely on others to fully bear the load with you. More than you can handle, but not more than we can handle together. And so these one another's are so crucial for us. They're, they're important concepts that somehow have to translate from our heads and good intellectual concepts to the way that we live our lives uh, for the glory of God. You try and do this thing alone, guaranteed you'll get drained and you'll get disheartened and you'll get defeated and you will ultimately die. If you think this is for everybody else and not for you, look at verse three before we get to verse two. For if anyone thinks he is something, if anyone's like, oh yeah, sure, Daryl, sure, pastor, like this is, this is for all the weak people on the other side of the church, not for me, look at this. This might be applying to you. If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. No one exempt from this. No one superior to this. Your pastor is definitely not superior to this text. This is for everybody to learn to lean into other people, but also learn to learn to, to, to help them to, to carry whatever they're carrying to get beyond our own little me agenda and getting into the we agenda for God's purposes. Bear one another's burdens. What does this word burdens mean? What is he talking about in this context? There is two... Natural applications that come from this word burdens. I think the first one we often think of is like the, the difficult trials we face in life. But actually, if you read the text, the primary application for this sentence, bear one another's burdens, is not necessarily the difficulties of life. It's the load of sin that we carry. Again, I tell you, you always have to read things in context. Look, look at the context of this 6 verse 1. And brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, what's another word for Transgression. Sin, you guys are with me. You who are spiritual, now who's spiritual? It's not those who have the most Bible knowledge. It's not the, those that would say like, I'm spiritual, I'm spiritual. No, that, that's probably the person that would be the least spiritual. It's those who are filled with the spirit of God, who see God well and see themselves properly, who have some humility to realize that, man, uh, do we need the Lord? Do, do we need Jesus? Those who have fruit of the spirit like bursting out of them, these are the people who should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So you see someone caught in sin. What do you do? You don't walk by them. You don't walk around them. You stop and help them and restore them with gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. In other words, don't think of it like, Haha, I'm going to help you today because I don't need any help. Uh-uh. You might find yourself in the same place they are before you know it. Since under this context, it says, bear one another's burdens. The burdens primarily that they're talking, that God's talking about in this text 
is the heaviness of besetting sin that you just can't seem to get out from underneath. That sinful disposition that, yes, we've been freed from by the power of Jesus, but let's be honest, our sinful nature is still there. You with me? I've been freed from it, but man, am I tempted to return to my old self on a daily basis. The things that I know I shouldn't do, as Paul says, but I still do. That's the heaviest burden we bear in life, isn't it? Even more than the circumstances we face, the heaviest burden I face is my, right here. Myself and my sin, which sure, I'm sure you are like me, that we hate that we beg of God, release me of this once and for all, but yet God allows us, for whatever reason, to still struggle with it for a lifetime until we meet him. This is the biggest burden that we ought to help each other carry. John MacArthur says, bearing one another's burdens represents burdens that tempt a sinning believer to fall back into the trespass from which he has just been delivered. I know that's my old self, and I know this is my new self, but it seems so enticing, I can't even help myself. Well, then help each other help yourselves. A persistent oppressing temptation is one of the heaviest burdens, MacArthur says, a believer can have. A persistent oppressing temptation is one of the heaviest burdens a believer can have. Sinful dispositions, the consequences of past mistakes. Burden. The ongoing struggle with the enemy that doesn't seem to quit. And just when you think it quits, he comes at you from another angle and a more clever tactic. We need to help each other bear the burden of sin that plagues us until the day we meet Jesus, that's what's going to take us down. That has far greater opportunity to take us down than even the circumstances that come in our lives. And think of even the circumstances that come into our lives. What's the greatest temptation? Is to think about them and deal with them in a sinful way. How could you, God? I'm bad at that, so I'm going to take it out on you. Man, do we need God and each other to help us bear the burden. What are some of the things that we fight with? Just talking about here, what are some of the sinful burdens? You probably know what your burden is. I know what my burden is that I can't seem to, I can't wait to get to heaven to be free of some of my sinful dispositions that just seem to come natural to me. You know what yours is. If you, don't, if you don't, haven't been able to identify it, earlier on in Galatians chapter 5, the writer of Galatians helps us understand the burdens that we carry that are sinful. He talks about the, the battle with the flesh and the spirit. Even though God's taken your heart of stone and given you heart of, of, of flesh, a, a heart that beats after God, we still battle with the old nature. Here's some of the things that we're going to fight, and maybe you haven't identified yours yet. Maybe it's in this list. These are going to plague us that we can't carry on our own. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, says in verse 19. Just look up the page a little bit. Remember, everything in context this is part of the context of this passage. This passage flows from this. Works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. I don't necessarily need to define these words for you. They're pretty self-explanatory. Idolatry, putting something or someone in God's place. Sorcery, witchcraft, and those types of 
horoscopes and all that goofy stuff. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, doesn't leave anything out, and things like these. These are heavier upon our lives than anything of the circumstances thrown at us, the things within us. Galatians 3 adds some more things, things that you must do away with. He adds wrath and malice and slander, obscene talk and lying. This is the old self, it says in Galatians 3.10, but your new self is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. These are the things we're called to help each other carry through life. The frustration, the guilt, the shame, the pain of falling again when you're trying so hard, can that not be overwhelming to you? Last time he said this, I so want to be done with this. And then the guilt floods in and the shame floods in. You're like, I can't go on anymore. It's not talking about license to sin here. Just make sure you know this. It's not talking about like, oh, it doesn't matter what you do anymore. Just help each other get to the top and it's okay. No, clearly the Bible has some disciplinary measures in place for those who are like, I'm sinning and I love it, don't want to change. That's a different story. This is talking about those of us who are like, I'm trying so hard and I keep falling on my face and I keep tripping over the same thing and I feel like quitting. And I can't even get up on my own strength anymore because I feel like a failure. I feel like I've let God down. I feel like I've let my family down. I feel like I've let me down. I just can't go on. This is where God says, no, now's the time as believers to start bearing that burden. This is a time where you, here's what Christians generally do. Here's what Christians generally do when, when a, a Believer, true, sincere believer falls because we all fall and we all will fall. Let's get out of this idea that Christians are perfect and, and I think we set everyone else up for a standard that we can't even live up to. I expect you to be perfect, but I, I can never be that. And here's what we do as Christians. It's, it's the church I grew up in. It's so many churches around that, that, that I think God's warned us against. Believer falls, here's what we generally do. We kind of walk over to them. We kind of give them a little kick. <laughs> Loser. Almost treat him like a horse sometimes. Get out the <laughs> Read a book in college, Why Do Christians Shoot Their Wounded? I'm like, that's a great question, don't you think? We kind of heap on the guilt, heap on the shame. He's about, you're right, you do stink, you suck. Like, like, like heap it on, heap it on. He, almost like we're so bad, almost better. Or we do this, we like walk over like, oh, they fall and like we run away going, Leper! Run away, forgetting that, guess what else we carry? We carry the same disease of leprosy. They have sin. God's saying, don't do that. There's no place in the church for shooting the wounded. There's no place in the church for running away and isolating those who've fallen. It's already a burden that's too big to bear. Here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to reach down and stop and pick them up and nurture them back to full health. That's what it's saying here. Restore the brother, remembering that you're also just as sinful as they are so you don't fall into the same temptation. Here's what the church is supposed to be, brothers and sisters. Here's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a country club. It was never designed to be the elite people, the spiritually elite people gathering together to hobnob and, and brown nose amongst each other. It's supposed to be a hospital. Where broken and weak and sinful people, dying people, come to get help and health. 
We as a church are supposed to rally around people and help them have health in Jesus Christ. This is what it means to bear one another's burdens. Primary application right here. A little different than probably you saw when the phrase came up on the screen. This is it. This is a picture of the church. So how do we live this out? Like I, I think we understand this concept hopefully now after a couple minutes of explaining to you. How do we live this out? Because this is a hard one to live out. Our own pride kicks in. We want to think of ourselves better than others. Our own fear of getting into someone else's mess kicks in because they're like, man, I got my own mess. I don't want to get involved in your mess. God's like, hey, I've taken care of your mess. Now help them with their mess. How do we do this? Before we move on to the secondary application, here's how we can help each other. Here's how we can help each other carry the load that God has called us to help them carry. Three things quickly. Number one is this. You can really love them the way that you want to be loved. Let's be honest. How do you want to be loved? Only when it's a, I love you if, I love you when. Not at all. How do you want to be loved? I want to be loved because I'm loved, don't you? I want to be loved for the whole package. I, lo- I love you if you're perfect. Well, that's never going to be it. I love you if you never do that again. Well, you know what? I'm trying not to do that again, but chances are I'm going to. I want to be loved for just like the whole package, the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is who you get. Sorry. That's how we live this out. Love is you want to be loved. And here's, here's it says clearly in Colossians 3.13. It's, it's you want people to bear with you, right? I want you to bear with me. What's that mean to bear with me? It means that I love you in spite of you. I love you in spite of all of your frailties and your failures and your flaws. I choose to love you anyways. I will never give up on you. It's the way that Jesus loves us. It's astounding how Jesus loves us. That's how we want to be loved. That's how we're supposed to love and be loved within the church. Colossians 3.13, we studied the last part of this verse last week. Here's the first part. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as God forgives you. But here's the point. It's bearing with one another. It's, it's I'm going to love you in spite of you. It's not kicking someone when they're down. It's not writing somebody off. It's being forgiving over and over and over again. And, and, and I'm not going to give up on this friendship even though I probably should. We're going to work, work through this hard thing even though I don't really know how it's going to go. I'm going to bear with you. I say it all the time, hey, bear with me. What's that mean? Be patient. Don't bail on me. Bear with me. Can you imagine how the church would be if this was the concept we lived out all the time? That we'd actually bear with one another? Forgive each other? I love the Old Testament picture of this. In Exodus 28, 29, Aaron was to wear a breastplate with the names of the tribes of Israel, the 12 names on his chest. When he entered into the holy place, he was doing this. He was to bear their names in the presence of God, to carry their burdens in spite of them, to carry their burdens to the throne room of God. What a picture. We're so quick in our culture to like, I'm going to 
be your friend and love you as long as it's easy and comfortable. And as soon as it gets hard, like, I'm not bearing anything about you. The church is to bear with each other and to develop relationships that endure. Here's the second thing, to restore me. How do you want to be loved? I want you to, be, I want you to love me, to restore me. If I fall down, there are certain people I know that I do not want to run into because they're going to do nothing, but they're not going to try to restore me for sure. But there's other people that are like, man, if I fall, I'm calling them first because I know what their heart's going to be. Their heart's going to be to help me and to restore me. Are you the person that people are going to run away from when they fall because they're afraid you're going to slaughter them? Or are they going to be the person that, you, that, that, that they run to when they fall because they know they're going to help restore them? This is a ministry God's given us all to be ministers of reconciliation. There's no... It's not just the calling of a pastor or staff. This is a ministry of reconciliation God's given us to help restore, which simply means to return or repair or renovate that broken soul that you know and love. 2 Corinthians 5.18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's not simple. It's hard work, it's often painful, it's a process restoration work is, but it's what God has called us to. What do you need when you are at the bottom of life and failed again in sin? You know what you need? You need an advocate. Somebody to come along and help you with the restoration process. Because you can't even restore yourself on your own. Remember a number of years ago now when I was still young and in shape, I was playing basketball, it was September 11th, same day as the... Uh, World Trade Center bombing, and um, not a basketball player, but I was playing basketball with a bunch of guys, and I turned to cut to the hoop, had a guy I thought totally faked out, turned to cut to the hoop, faked myself out, my foot stayed on the floor, my knee twisted, I felt a pop, pop, hit the deck really quickly, I'm like, oh man, this is, I'm done, send someone over, carry me off, it's all over, and sure enough, went to the hospital right away, and what happens, I ended up tearing my ACL, I stretched my, my uh, MCL and I tore my meniscus pretty bad. And so there I am. Um, doctor's like, it's not good. You're gonna have to have surgery as soon as the swelling goes down. It's gonna be an eight-month rehab process. I looked at him and said, I can't do eight months. I'm super impatient. <laughs> you gotta put me on the fast plan. He's like, unfortunately, there is no fast plan. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm never going to run again. That's the way I thought at that point. You know, the only way I got through the rehab of that knee injury is with the help of my wife. I couldn't do it by myself. Some days it just, after surgery, just hurt too bad. And she'd be awake. She'd go, it's okay, honey. You can't move it. I'll move it for you. You just hold on to the bed. I'll move it for you. And she's doing my stretches for me. Other days it'd be like, oh man, I gotta walk around the block as part of this. I don't feel like walking around the block. It's okay, honey, I'll walk around the block with you. We'll do it together joyfully, but it's raining out. It's okay, I got a raincoat. Other days we'd be like, you know what? I don't wanna do my exercises and I just don't feel like, she says, it's okay, it's okay, I'll, I'll cheer you on. You can do it. Like, I needed that. You can do it. I guess I'm just a big wuss at heart. But you know the only thing that restored that? It was somebody else around me. I couldn't have done it on my own. I didn't have the mental capacity. I didn't have the physical strength. It's the same when we fall spiritually. We need people around us who are going to be with us through the long haul. And it's going to be ugly. It's going to be messy. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take sacrifice. But you know what? You're worth it. And so I'm going to do what it takes to help restore you to God and to, your, uh, to others around you. 
to restore you. This is how God, this is how Jesus loves us. He restores us to God and continues to restore us, restore us, restore us. This is how we are to respond to others. Third thing is this. How do we live out and bear one another's burdens? We bear, I want you to bear with me. I want you to restore me. I want you to invest in me. How do we carry the burden of sin? It's through investment in each other. Hebrews 3.13. Exhort one another daily as long as it's today so that you do not become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Be accountable to somebody. Mentor somebody. Be a friend to somebody. Send them reminders and rebukes and biblical encouragement as we discussed a few weeks ago. Be on call for your brothers and sisters and, and don't just live life for yourself Seems fun, it's empty and dissatisfying and futile for eternity. And invest in somebody else, help them grow to the point where they're strong and can overcome their sin and temptation. I think a lot of times we think of ourselves as bystanders to everybody else's burdens. It's just like when there's an accident on the street and everybody, what do they do when there's an accident on the street? They get out their cell phones, right? And they start videotaping. And then the EMS finally comes and makes a line through all those people and actually gets to the business. Well, we've got to start thinking of ourselves as brothers and sisters as being spiritual EMS. We have everything we need. We have, we have our, our Bible in our hand. We have the power of prayer. And you might not feel like you're qualified, but you're qualified. You know how? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're qualified. To make a difference in other people's lives when it comes to bearing their load of their own sin. Secondary application of this is, I think the way we often think about this passage that comes to mind first, it's bearing the weight of personal hardships. There is an element of this that, that does speak to the fact that it's not just sin we help each other carry. We help each other carry the weight of our personal hardships or the, or the things, the, the life circumstances that come our way. We support each other through life's painful moments. Look what it says in verse 9 of this passage, kind of transitioning to kind of summarize this with, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season. We'll reap. So don't, don't, don't get weary in doing good for each other. It applies to the whole of life. Don't just restore somebody and let them go. Restore them, then walk with them through life. Verse 10, so then as we have every opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. You and I both have to understand this. Not every time someone's going through a hardship is because of sin. Every time someone's crushed is not because of, it shouldn't be our natural default, like, oh, you've sinned. What'd you do now? Sometimes the way Christians think, right, it's so backwards. The reality is, as we journey up the climb to kingdom of God, Mount Zion. As we journey up Mount Zion, as the Bible says it, reality is sometimes we got the backpack on for sure. Sometimes there's just going to be an avalanche come without notice. It's going to be a sunny day and everything seems good. All of a sudden it's going to be like, avalanche! There's no place to run. There's no place to hide. And before you know it, you are buried by the circumstances of life. And you can't dig your own way out. You need other people to help you. I don't know why I do this because I'm claustrophobic, but I jumped on YouTube and I looked at an avalanche video of a guy with a GoPro on. That is, that's terrifying. 
seeing the snow come at you and then like just piling on top. And can you imagine being at the bottom of that? There's just no way out. The, the more you dig, the deeper you get, and you're at the mercy of others, right? So often God allows us to come to that place in life that we'll learn to rely on him and others. Sometimes we get buried by the circumstances of life that the only way out is by the grace of God. We have others around us to dig us out. Ever been there? you're too young to have been there, you'll be there one day. It's part of God's grace to us to remind us that we can't do this by ourselves. If you've been there, you know it. Buried. Maybe like Dan and Nicole, sickness. You weren't expecting it. You wake up one morning and you got something going on. The doctor tells you the worst news possible. And you're like, how do I even cope? Or maybe it's a call of someone that you love and all of a sudden they're dealing with an illness but you can't deal with the fact that they're, they're dealing with it because it's so overwhelming to you. Or unemployment, you were doing your job well and next thing you know, the, just got downsized or the boss didn't like you, got fired and, and you're buried under this avalanche. You try and climb out, you can't climb out. You need others around you to help you. Or maybe you've been dealing with the choices of somebody else but they've been making Massive impact on your life, the wayward or estranged family member or child. And you didn't choose this. You do anything to reverse this. You've been trying to carry this and figure it out. And you're like, I can't do it. Because you weren't meant to do it by yourself. Maybe it's just simple loneliness and rejection. Reality is is that we're all going to go through hard things in life that we need to care about, not just when it's me going through it, when somebody else goes through it. God's called us to have empathy and compassion in our hearts, just like he has for us. And let's be honest, what's hard for one is not as easy for another. What's easy for one is hard for another. So we, we can't look at each other and say, well, that's easy. I don't need help with that. If, if, if someone's feeling overwhelmed with something, we need to be there as God's people to be there to help them even if we see it as trivial. How arrogant is that, right? <laughs> That's nothing. I've been through that. Well, good for you. Maybe you handle it differently than they do. The Bible's clear that this is a, a call also for us to support through life's painful moments. This is some verses on this. Two ways that we can do this. How, do we, how are we there for each other in life's painful moments? I think number one is be there. Number two is point them to Jesus. Number one is to be there for people to somehow make time in our busy schedules to put people somewhere in there. To not be so consumed with our agendas and our dreams and our goals that when driving by other people laying on the side of the road, we're like, someone else will pick them up. No, I'll pick them up by God's grace. Here's some verses that remind us how important this is. Romans 12, 15. What does it mean to bear one of those burdens when it comes to personal hardships? Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. James 2, 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things he needs for the body, what good is that? So also by faith, if it does not have works, it's dead. 
Sounds pretty spiritual, doesn't it? Oh, brother, sister, I'll pray for you, poor you. No, it's help them bear that burden by providing for them. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 5, God, God comforts us in affliction. So we'll be able to help and comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves have been comforted by God. God, I need your comfort. God, I need your comfort. God, I need your comfort. Ah, thank you, Lord. Now I can get back to my thing and my way. That's not it. It's like, ah, thank you, Lord. Now I can go and use that same comfort to comfort somebody else. It's overflowing you with comfort to comfort others. It's a very simple principle. It's be available for people. Be available for people. It doesn't even cost anything to bear one another's burdens. It costs you nothing for those of you who are worried about your pocketbook. simply means that when someone's crying, you care enough to go alongside of them and cry with them. And us guys, we don't cry, do we? Oh, we don't cry. You cry. Don't pretend. It's to cry with them. But I don't know what to say. Maybe it's better you don't know what to say. So often have I gone to someone to try and say something that I think is wise, and oh my goodness, I should have just kept my mouth closed. What about just crying with them and having compassion for them and mourning with them the loss of their dream or their loved one or the difficulty they're going through? What about listening? Here's how we bear one of those burdens. What do you need when you have a burden you can't bear? You need someone to yak their ear off and just unload on somebody. How about you want that? How about you being the one that someone unloads upon? Well, I'm going to load upon you when I'm done. I'm good, so I'm gone. Just caring enough to say, hey, what's on your mind? I see you're down. You're carrying something. Can I listen? Without offering advice? Without trying to fix something I can't fix? What about encouraging someone, sending a text when they can't find employment and they feel like throwing the towel with a, with a verse that just says, like, don't quit? Heard of this even this past week. What about like, like those little things we can do, like, like drive someone to their chemo treatment, another person in our church that's struggling with cancer, and, and other people are picking her up and taking her to the chemo treatment. What a way to help bear burdens or drop a meal off, as you heard Dan and Nicole say. What a way to help bear the burden in such a simple, easy way. Maybe simply having coffee with somebody who's lonely and saying, I'll give you time. And This is what the church is. The church isn't just come, sit for an hour, go home, don't see anyone for the next seven days, come, sit for an hour, go home. Year after year, don't know anybody. The church is actively engaged in each other's lives. When one part of the body hurts, 1 Corinthians says, guess what? The whole thing hurts. I stub my little toe and my ears feel it. It's the same with the body of Christ. I read this song that we found that we... Uh, found that goes along with the sermon, but we couldn't sing it. It's an old song, but the tune wasn't, wasn't written and it wasn't helpful to try and come up with one. So let me read it for you. I think this is just really, really drums home this whole point of bearing each other's burdens. I've just lifted some phrases from it, but it's so powerful. It says this, help someone today. Look all around you, find someone in need, help someone today. Many are waiting for a kind, loving word, many burdens too heavy to bear, some are discouraged and weary in heart. Some on the journey to heaven should start. Help someone today. Help someone today. Somebody along life's way. Let sorrow be ended. The friendless befriended. I love the way they rhymed back then, eh? 
Help somebody today. Your life matters in the lives of others. You need to be there for people. We need to be there for each other. But ultimately, it's not us. You have to understand, it's not us that can solve anyone's problems, is it? Is it? It's not us that can ultimately relieve the pressure and the burden. Who is it? It's Jesus. So the second part of this, bearing each other's burdens, is to be there, but also to point people to Jesus Christ, to point people to the one who can truly help them and to heal them. Our job is rescuing the one underneath the avalanche is to dig them out and simply wait for the air ambulance to come. Our job as Christians is to help dig them out, but to wait for Jesus to come and ultimately remove that burden, ultimately do what he's going to do in that person's life. I often go into tragedies and hardships as a pastor, and you think I have all the answers. I don't have any answers except for Jesus. I've learned over the years that when I try and figure it out and say something nice and cool and calm and comforting, it usually doesn't go well. So here's what I've practiced doing over the last number of years. I've practiced having like four scriptures in my brain and praying all the way there, getting there, and instead of saying something of my wisdom, I open up the Bible and say, here, let me let God speak to you today into this. So let me give you six things here that you can use to point people to Jesus, tools in your tool belt, per se, as you bear each other's burdens. Maybe you're here this morning, you need to hear this yourself. And you're buried, and you're like, where is God how do I get beyond this? Here's, here's six psalms that I love in my own heart, and I love these, sharing these with people. The first one, Psalm 23, you know it, right? The Lord is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Words, I don't need anyone else. Read that over three times this afternoon and see how God ministers to you in that. Here's another one, Psalm 34. My God, he will deliver you from all your fears. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Let God's word minister to souls. How about this one, Psalm 46? He is my very present help in times of trouble. When the whole world's giving away, when I don't know where to turn, it's confusing, it's scary. He is my very present help in times of trouble. 46.10, be still and know that I am God. How about Psalm 91? Psalm 91 is a picture of an eagle and, and, and it says that, that, that we who hide in the refuge of the eagle, we're, like, we're being hidden and protected by the wing of God and if we are in the, if the eagle, eagle's young is in its wing, there's nothing that can harm him. Well, Psalm 103, the benefits of God, he heals all of our diseases, he redeems our life from the pit, he forgives all of our iniquities, he clothes us or crowns us with love and compassion. Psalm 121, God is our protector and our provider. He who does not slumber or sleep, he watches us as we come, he watches us as we go in the heat of the night, in the cool of the, the heat of the day, the cool of the night. God is there. He protects us. He does not let our foot stumble or slip. Ultimately, our goal in bearing each other's burdens is to point each other to Jesus Christ who can truly bear our burdens. I can't bear my burdens I can't bear your burdens fully, but Jesus can bear all of our burdens. It doesn't negate this call to bear each other's burdens. Here's a couple of words of wisdom for you as you think about how to apply this as we conclude here. Here's a couple, couple of cautions for you or words of wisdom. 
I think sometimes we hear sermons like this and we go out of here gung-ho and we're like, yes, yes, I'm going to bear your burdens. I'm going to bear the burdens of everybody. I'm going to bear the burdens of the world. That's not what you're called to. I want to encourage you this to make sure you're on both sides of this equation. You're on the, minist- the side that ministers to and you're also on the side that is ministered to. I find it easy in the church for people to minister. It's almost a sense of spiritual pride, right? Like, like, oh, you're hurting. Let me help you. Let me help you. As soon as the shoe's on the other foot, we're like, shh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. They might think I'm not a good Christian. Don't tell anyone. I'll be there for you, but you can't be there for me. Don't do that. The body of Christ says, I'm going to be there for you, and then I'm going to let you be there for me. I'm going to text you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to let you know my needs. Because I'm not trying to fool anyone here. We're all in need of Jesus. Here's another word of wisdom for you. Make sure you don't take the place of Jesus. I've seen this happen often with people with compassionate hearts trying to truly help others. They get so involved in this person's life that they take on the moral responsibility that they're gonna solve the problem. And then they in turn get so weighted down with this other person because they can't solve the problem and they gotta solve the problem. They invest all their time and energy. They forget their families, forget their kids. I'm gonna be the savior. You're not the savior. We already have a savior. His name is Jesus and he's really good at his job. When Jesus says to cast all our cares upon him for he cares for us, as they cast their cares upon you, you cast them to Jesus. You cast yours and theirs to Jesus too. Sometimes it's okay to have healthy boundaries around people we're trying to help because without them even knowing it, guess what? They're thinking you're Jesus and you're just a person trying to help them. You need to remind them constantly that I'm not Jesus. I'm here to help you, but he's the only one that can solve your problems. And here's the last one. Make sure you don't put people in the place of Jesus. I just said it. So many people getting help, even they don't even realize it, they, they put all their hope in the person that's helping them. And they have all these unrealistic expectations on, well, you're here. You said you'd help me. You're going to help me. You're going to help me. Here's my financial crisis. Here's my burden of my soul. And you're sitting there going, I can't help you with that. And on this side of things, it's easy to, to start thinking that we are going to solve each other's problems. We, we can't. We can help you carry the burden of it. But when Jesus has called you to walk through some things all by yourself, and to stand up under your own weight, it says it here in verse 5, let each one have to bear his own load. Each is going to have to bear our own load. Don't make the mistake of setting people up for failure by thinking somehow they're going to be God in your life. Accept help, receive help, but let God be God. And in doing this, it says here, we will all fulfill the law of Christ. Caring for each other helps us all fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Caring for each other actually helps you accomplish everything God designed you and desires you to accomplish. Romans 13, verses 8 to 10, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. By living out this bear one another, you know what we're saying? I love you, God. 
I love you because of God's love for me. It actually reveals Jesus Christ to those around us. How could I ever fulfill the love of God? It's simple, the, the command of God is just love God and love others. You live out the one another series and you're revealing Jesus to the world around you. Just think of Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate burden bearer. He's bore the burden of our guilt and our shame and our sin. He took it to the cross. He nailed it and killed it once and for all that we might have eternal life forever, restored with our heavenly Father. He is the one who is the ultimate bearer of the burdens. And so when we live this, we show the world a glimpse of Jesus, our Jesus, the one that we love, the one that loves us, the one that we gave, that gave our lives, his life for us, and now we give our life for him. When we bear one another's burdens, we actually accomplish everything God set out for, for us to accomplish for the glory of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this clear word from your word that speaks to every one of us today. Father, I pray for those this morning that are walking through the difficulties of life Maybe it's their own sin that has, has tripped them up and crumbled them to the floor one more time. Maybe it's something outside of uh, their own control that is overwhelming them. Father, I pray today that as they hear this word, they would allow the body of Christ to truly minister to their souls. Would you protect them, God, from this place of secrecy and this place of spiritual pride that thinks that I can't tell anyone what's going on. I've got to do this by myself. Instead, oh God, would they, you help them see the, your goodness to them and your goodness to them even through our church. And would you minister to them today, God? Maybe it's that you would even apply one of the psalms that I read through to their hearts today that they would know the fullness of a God who loves them today, a God who's not given up on them, a God who'll be there for them in every deepest need. Minister, Lord, to those burdened today in a church this size, this room is bound to be full of those carrying burdens that they can't carry all by themselves. God, I pray you'd help us be a church that's no, not so self-consumed that we miss out on this greatest calling you've put upon us to care for others as you've cared for us. And God, I pray that you'd fill us with empathy and compassion. Father, I pray that you not let this church be a country club, but you let this church be a hospital, that people coming in here would be ministered to week in and week out, that we'd be willing and available to pray with people and to, and to meet their every need, Lord, as you call us to. Father, I pray that you would allow us to reveal Jesus Christ. We wouldn't just preach about Jesus. We wouldn't just sing about Jesus. We would actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. And may others be drawn to the glory of our God, I pray through our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.